Welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm Zachary Allard. And I'm Michael Tabor. Now, you might think that's a little bit of a backwards introduction, but it's been a wonky few weeks for yeah, us here at Shitty Christians. Yeah, what we've been through. Uh, so, apologies for coming to you for a few days late, but this is the second podcast in a row that we have lost due to technical malfunctions. Yeah, I'm not sure what minor angel or demon we managed to piss off so royally, but it has been a special time. The pro-life one. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's definitely true. Michael, what are we talking about this week? So we're going to be discussing a gentleman by the name of Jeremy Camp. Uh, mm -hmm. who you might know is every worship leader that has ever existed, <laughs> but is also a five five million selling, yep. album selling. 35 uh, million streams. He was nominated for a Grammy one time. He won I every think. single Dove Award that has ever existed. Yeah, it's just the camp. Yeah. <laughs> they, just, they renamed it. Yeah, the campies. Um, <laughs> and he made a movie about himself mostly he, he, uh, he made his Freddie Mercury movie while he was still alive. It's 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 humble shit. Yeah, his hagiographic uh, biopic while he's in his, like, what, 40s, 50s? Yeah, no, I mean, he's in his early <laughs> mid to mid 40s. It's yeah. ridiculous. So he gets to still watch himself lip sync. We managed to see that movie. Uh, we did. Which was an adventure in itself. But before that, Zach, where are we at with this whole coronavirus thing? People are in lockdown. It has only gotten crazier. I We don't have time to get into all of all yeah. of the updates it's getting bad I'm, I'm getting reports that it's a problem now yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think here's the good place to begin sure our christian president <laughs> he is out there and i i think what's fascinating about trump is this is actually a master class of who trump is because you see there's there's been so many stages and they're like Two and a half weeks, it's been a real thing in this country, which feels like years. Yeah. Like, I am just, I have I have drunk, I have chosen poorly. I have drunk out of the wrong chalice. We all did, baby. It is It is not good. And we really, when we saw the electoral college was engraved <laughs> on the chalice, we really should have been like, eh, we should go with another option. It's either that or I'm going to live for all time because I'm in the like bottom inception rung and every second is a year. Yeah, no, we're we're at least Snow Fortress deep in Inception right now. No, I'm pretty sure I am that Greek myth where you can live forever, but you still get old because that's how it feels every fucking day. So here's what happened. Trump version A, he is like, there's no coronavirus. What's a coronavirus? Look at the dope economy. Yeah. Win, win, win. I'm amazing. It's a conspiracy. It's not real. Yeah. Uh, he called it a hoax at one point. Oh, yeah. Like, less than a, a month ago. A democratic hoax. If you want to talk about the evil things the Democratic Party has done, <laughs> there are so, so many to list. Why would you go with the lie? I don't understand. Oh, man, it's uh, Bernie's still strongest case. We all love to run against the Democratic Party. <laughs> Phase two, Trump accidentally kind of to the left of this thing because he's panicking. He wants to sort of implement some kind of change. He wants people to yeah. shut the fuck up about well, it. Well, he he wants he wants to be the good guy. So yes. now, now it's a real problem. At first it was fake because he's gotten through most mm. of his presidency by just declaring things fake. <laughs> uh, That's incredible. You got to respect it. It's that. a hell of a skill. I'll give him that. Uh, but now it's real and it's undeniably <laughs> real. So now that it's real, he wants to be the good guy. Right. And so he's throwing he's throwing out ideas like UBI, mm -hmm. like sending out money. And of yep. course, of course, just to be clear, no, what say? All of this is set up in such a way that it's gonna fuck you. And, and that's what we're gonna come to. Yeah, it's gonna fuck you. It's it was always gonna fuck Whatever you. Even he does. that brief populist moment mm -hmm. that Trump embodied, it was yep. never really for you. But for a second there, at least in terms of mm -hmm. mainstream narrative discourse, that's right. Trump was credibly running to the left of the Democrats yeah. on questions of how to serve the people that need <laughs> help in America. He was briefly to the left of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. That is super special. Like so, so that's very funny. Because here's the thing: Trump usually has that phase where he is again something but he is not an ideologue so he doesn't know what to believe because he doesn't have any beliefs beyond staying in office and people thinking he's awesome yeah and so there was a shining moment as much as there can ever be for trump of like well what if we just give people money because i think trump doesn't it was, care it was beautiful for trump to be like i'm gonna put thousands of dollars in every american's pocket and and for the democrats <laughs> to be sitting there going but my means testing Incredible it's just stuff. like jesus fucking christ nancy pelosi is the only person in the entire universe that actually gives a shit about the deficit. It's incredible because the Republicans- Wait, wait, wait. Are... I didn't know she was a libertarian from t circa 2006. Exactly. Like, it, it's really wild to watch is because she... the whole conservative, especially the libertarian side of the conservative movement, has mm -hmm. been very, like, deficit, deficit, deficit. But as it turns out, like, Nancy Pelosi is the one true believer 
in reducing the deficit. And there's a great episode of Citations Needed, mm-hmm. a better podcast that you should turn us off and go listen to <laughs> right now. Michael needs to stop telling you to turn off our podcast. Listen, I'm just saying it's incredible. And it's about a man named Pete Peterson, who was a conservative billionaire, or sorry, a Democratic billionaire, uh, who was Nancy Pelosi's close personal friend and spent hundreds of millions of dollars of his personal fortune mm-hmm. to strip out social programs from America. And Nancy Pelosi spoke as his fucking funeral and talked about what a great guy he was and how he was America's conscious. Like, Nancy Pelosi is the one person in the room that actually is an ideologue. I think what's so interesting about that is that she did it in the tri-corner hat. <laughs> and she, she's only good for uh performative politics for aesthetics that's everybody yeah. else gets to be jokerified but our idea is the politics of aesthetics and i tell you what nancy pelosi is all the all the way for for like sassy clapbacks of trump when it comes down to it she's just a republican like the fucking rest of them oh yeah she'll so, never have you back but we, now we're in phase three phase three of trump is like his people have gotten to him his his staffers who the are billionaires all spoke fascists, up, man. all of his fellow business people and biz- I'm just going to say all of his fellow businessmen yeah. have gotten to him. Every single businessman like, hey, ever. We need money. You can't just give people money. And if you're going to give people money, just give us money. Yeah, just give it to us. And so now Trump has gotten back to his like far right fash light sense well, where it's I like, OK, even... we're going to bail out the beautiful cruise lines. Yeah. And my favorite thing from uh, the last day or so, he said, quote, we have to save these companies. These are companies that were in trouble three weeks ago, and now they're in trouble because of what happened. <laughs> because of what I had nothing to do with and take no responsibility for. Trump, tears in my eyes. Yeah. These are great companies. They're in some cases AAA companies. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the most he's ever loved anything. Uh, that is by far the most sincere I've ever heard Trump be. So we are in phase three and in case you were wondering what phase three is it's just death cult it's oh, just death yeah. cult capitalism yeah so yeah well, like, how bad this is, is not a joke like there are people on on going on fox right now mm-hmm. to talk about how like hey I, I as a senior citizen i as a millionaire if i have to choose between you know my life and saving this country that i love which really means saving the economy mm. of this country that i love like i will choose death and <laughs> what they're actually saying is and all of you should too right like we need to get back to work trump has been promising that we're going to lift these restrictions come easter Easter. That's 19 days away from when we're recording this. Does Trump know that only Jesus can come back from the dead? (laughs) Uh, The lieutenant governor of Texas has also been uh, out there. This is, I mean, again, if there's one thing I respect about the Republican Party, it's how they can pivot messaging on a fucking dime. Mm -hmm. They are the most lockstep, and it makes the rest of us look childish in comparison. But yeah, it's been everywhere. I've seen multiple tweets from people. The lieutenant governor Mm -hmm. said what? The lieutenant governor of Texas basically said something to the effect that uh, grandparents will die, so their grandchildren can have an economy. Trump saying we can't have the cure be so much worse than the disease. Like this is the most naked that capitalism has been in a hot second when they're just telling you like, hey, um, your grandma's going to die because she works at Walmart and she's not going to have any paid time off. But like the Walton family really needs that that dividend to go up one eighth of a point instead of one sixteenth of a point. Because we got to save the stocks, baby. You got to die for the stocks. You have to become soylent for them. Amazon campaigning or petitioning for the government to cover paid sick leave for their workers. Like Trump is worried, literally talked about saving the cruise lines, which is hilarious. The least essential business you could possibly think of. A thing that when it is working successfully is evil and villainous and terrible. (laughs) Like cruise lines are terrible for the economy. Mm -hmm. People get sick and die in them all the time because there's no access to medical care. And they just they just shove you in a closet and let you die. That's all that happens on a cruise. Oh, yeah. It, it, at best at best you don't want them to stay in the room the closet with you that's for sure <laughs> i've seen succession and so you know and, and today somebody i think it was larry kudlow who was just another one of those like vaguely goldman sachs ish uh ghouls talking about a six trillion dollar uh influx and what's amazing about the number six trillion is, is that it sounds like something bernie sanders would say <laughs> yeah and it sounds like something that people in MSNBC, in the New York Times, in the Wall Street Journal, and all these respectable places would say is a pie in the sky number. You can't do that. You can't do that. Money, money is real. You can't yeah. do that. But when they do it, they and I tell you fucking what, they're going to spend more money than it would have cost to give us health care 
three times fucking over, and they will do it to save cruise lines, American Airlines, and they won't give you an ounce of equity in them. At best, we're going to get terrible payouts. That's probably coming because they're going to have to, but we're not going to get rent freezes. Nope. We're not going to get rent abolishment. Mm -mm. We're we're not going to have health care. Trump has been actively working to continue stripping the ACA while we entered into this process. Oh, yeah. They're still going through with cutting food stamps. Yeah. They're going to send you $1,200 to fuck off. Take your money, of course. Yeah, Listen, of I'm going to take cash, the money. Cash the fucking check. But I but tell you fucking thing. what. This is just population control. This is sacrificing some people to the blood god of capital. Yeah. And if you don't realize that this is capitalism literally failing, the thing I want to end on with this bit is that this is the death of capital because all this is is the government and corporations joining into one. All that's happening, if the government does this, if the government spends $6 trillion fucking dollars to basically buy corporations, you know what that is? You know what happens when you take a billion dollars from a bank you own the bank the corporations will actually own the government at that point even more than they do now there will be there will be no difference between the government and corporations and they will just write themselves checks for the rest of time this is the end of capitalism and it's just where companies own you the way countries do we are standing on a precipice of things potentially getting very bad i hope that's not necessarily the case but it seems to be where we are and all of these people are gunning as hard as they can to profit from this oh, yeah. moment. And the idea that there might not be anybody left to exploit at the end of this is ancillary to them. They don't care. They don't care. What's funny is you see the workers having more leverage than they've ever had, but on the precipice of, of losing everything. Like, I think, if, I think if you were able to actually arrange kind of a national strike, you could actually force some real concessions. Like, you could maybe make... I mean... If, if Nancy Pelosi had stones, I tell you what you'd do is you would tie Medicare for all to that $6 trillion number and be like, fine, bail at the corporations, but you also have to give Medicare for all forever. An op actual opposition party could have leverage, but the Democrats are just another wing of the corporate party. Exactly. They could do something, but they won't. This is a moment where businesses are very clearly saying, hey, 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 we need you, we need you. Mm -hmm. And that is the perfect time to be like, all right, motherfucker, here's the standards. Yep. But we we already live in bot democracy. If businesses become the only citizens, there's no room for people. They're still going to send you emails, though. <laughs> All right. And, uh, give, give me a little, yeah, just, a little sunshine. Just, just give me a little sugar, a little sugar <laughs> on this shit Sunday. Uh, things are about to change radically. Yes. Step one, take care of yourself. Step, step two, take care of the people around you. Of course. We've talked about that before, but this is a time to be radical in how you conceive of caring for your friends neighbors and fellow man yes but step two now is the time to organize because we've already seen mm -hmm. there was one factory of amazons in chicago that started organizing and protesting and saying hey we we need paid sick leave yeah amazon declared it across the board for all of their workers man ought to send those guys some fruit baskets they can't deliver them though <laughs> much <laughs> as they don't like to admit it they fucking need us they do they do. No, we have we have leverage. And in this moment where it's very easy to mm -hmm. feel small and atomized and scared, which is are all reasonable things to feel yes. and that we are all struggling with, uh, now is also the time to be thinking about how we can push back and because the world is going to change. And we have seen very clearly how these people want the world to change. So now it's up to us to figure out how we're going to fight back. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back to discuss Jeremy Camp's I Still Believe. My name is Jeremy Camp. I want to introduce you guys to someone special tonight. This is my fiance, Melissa. Go ahead and stand up, babe. <laughs> Come on, stand up. I know, I'm taken, I'm sorry. Earlier this year, we had some tough news. Some really tough news. Can we do something special for the most special person in my life tonight? Can we pray for her? Healer tonight. Now we have an artist who's had 32 number one singles, 4.5 million albums sold. Let's welcome Jeremy Camp. I still believe you're getting married. Yeah. But will she get better? I don't know, Mom. Son, you're only 20 years old. You just met this girl. I'm supposed to be with her. I can't explain it. I just know that. Even when I don't see. I want you to know 
that whatever this is <laughs> and wherever it takes us, that I'm with you. Every step, every moment, I'm with you. I'm in. I'm so in. The only place I can go is into your I will love you, cherish you, every moment of every day. I'll be the love of your life and your biggest fan. a journey yeah let's let's begin at let's, the beginning let's shall rewind we? to the uh to let there be light about a week ago <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh la california wasn't shut down yet la no, had we... just shut down its movie theaters well yes so la city mm -hmm. not county had shut down movie theaters bars restaurants yes we were a couple days away from a full citywide shutdown on yep. all non-essential businesses but it's Sunday night. It's Sunday night. And we've got a movie to see. <laughs> and so we start making calls. I mean, everything around us is closed. Yeah, no, we get tickets in Santa Monica. Turns out they're closed. Yeah, they're done. We canceled Sorry, those buddy. tickets. So we get tickets in Redondo. Yeah, so we call around. We find a space in Redondo Beach. Uh, it's about, what? It was a 25-minute drive. Yeah. yeah. And you talk to somebody. I talk to somebody. So I call. Dave picks up. Dave is very excited. Dave assures me. Yeah. Dave is like, we're going to be open for the rest of the day. We're going to be open for tomorrow. We're going to do it. Yeah. Like, Sweet, Dave. Awesome. So get our tickets. This is like 4 or 5 in the afternoon. This is not early. Yeah. This is like late afternoon. Okay, so we, we drive down. It's about 9 o'clock at night. It is terrifying. There's totally empty parking lot. Oh, yeah. We roll into a four-story like parking deck with no cars in it. No cars. Uh, and the mall that is just empty. And we roll it. We walk into the mall. And the mall is open. And the lights are on. And there's a security guard. But not a single store is open. Not a single store is open. There's nobody in there. It is just multi-story closed businesses just it, it was it was sort of beautiful and how like a christmas tree it was good to see something dying <laughs> oh god but we're like hey of course the mall's open obviously the theater's open yeah why we else would i just today? walk in here and so we make it to the theater and what do we find a great right in front of it dave you let me down buddy. no here's I... here's what i'm gonna say dave you didn't let anyone down dave you're you, i appreciate your optimism we need more people like you in this trying time <laughs> dave was trying to make it happen and i i think as that great come came down he stood on the side of it and he said i protest <laughs> i made a promise to a man on the phone <laughs> <laughs> you know i bet he did actually yeah. dave dave dave's a good dude dave still believes you, like, yeah you might think we were defeated yeah. at this point no because we're in the middle of redondo beach in because an empty it's nine that has never let me yeah it's nine twenty three in a city with a bunch of closed theaters trying to see a crappy christian movie <laughs> that's not even playing that many places but you obviously haven't listened to shitty christians very much if that's what you think <laughs> because we and dave still believe yeah i get on the phone turns out in Anaheim, there is a showing at 9.45. So now for those of you who don't live in Southern California. Yeah, just to put this in perspective, we're talking another 35 minutes away. <laughs> for a movie showing in 22 minutes. Exactly. So we get in the car. Yeah, and I'm we... driving unreasonably fast on the highway in the rain, which is not a thing that happens a lot in L.A. So people don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, and we are just, we are we are beaming down the highway. I have both of our cell phones in our hand to get the tickets. Yes, you, you were... You, I, Double fisting cell phones, making yeah. this happen. I called them to make sure they were open. We had to get the tickets before the showing started or because of stupid app things, they were going to go away. So it's 9.45 showing. At 9.44, <laughs> you were desperately trying I'm to- getting like... your ticket. Exactly. Uh, so we roll in. We drive past Disneyland. A closed and shuttered Disneyland. Mickey Mouse just smoking outside, <laughs> like talking about the good old days. 
And so then we roll into this open air mall, the second mall we have been yeah, into that is just dead. The second empty parking structure, <laughs> the second empty mall. This one even more uncanny, actually. But what's so strange is so we get into this elevator. Music starts playing. It's not that loud. But then we get out of the elevator. We're running through this empty mall because it's like 9.50. There are, there is just smooth jazz. We are talking just saxophone, just the yeah. whole way. And blaring. Just blaring so Just loud. Incredibly there loud. There are no people. There's no one around. There's <laughs> jazz assaulting our eardrums. And we are running through Massaging. a... Massaging. <laughs> no, no. I was assaulted by that jazz. And we are running through a neon menagerie mm-hmm. of Chinese dragons <laughs> and various other woodland creatures. Because this outdoor Anaheim mall is still for some reason decorated for Chinese New Year and I mean to the nines oh like, yeah no, there was a, a good lot job. going good on job. there there were there were neon statues that were moving like it was a whole thing that and we was just the spirit of Walt Disney tearing. right there vague appropriation of another culture's holiday yeah with jazz <laughs> <laughs> As it turns out, there was a house of blues on the other end of this that was closed and just was like, we will not let the music die. It will not happen. So we run up to the door. Locked. Oh, no. And we're like, okay. Yeah, I like how you say, oh, no. Like, you don't know. You didn't work there. What happened? And we're like, okay, we have clearly been lied to again. Uh, damn it, second day. And now we're in Anaheim. Yeah. And now and we're, we, we're we can't go even to go to die. Disneyland. And I look inside Mm -hmm. the door, Mm -hmm. and there is an employee standing on the other side. And it is at this point I realize (laughs) we are the villains of this story. Because we've been moving and grooving, baby. We're Mm -hmm. making it happen. We're on the last train out of Saigon. we got to make this happen. We need to do it for the pod. And now (laughs) is the moment where I have to come. We we have to come to terms with the fact that we are forcing (laughs) somebody else to be at work in the middle of a shutdown. Uh, And the only thing I have to say is that I'm sorry. I will say this was maybe the safest social interaction that has Mm -hmm. ever happened. this person opened the door and then stayed like 50 feet away from us. Rightfully so. Didn't even look at us. Had our nothing stuff. to do with the pandemic. Like we flashed our tickets. They were like, yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, we didn't get in 20 feet of anyone the entire time we were in this theater. Nope. Uh, <laughs> we walk in. We make it in before the previous event. It was a beautiful thing. We have traveled 50 miles <laughs> through rain, through grates, through neon dragons <laughs> to make it to this moment so that we can see jeremy camp and i think it's important to say the day the very next day all amc theaters shut down amc's and regals nationally so we are on the west coast we made it to the final showing this movie is going on demand this week because there are no more screenings of it so we possibly made it to the last theatrical showing (laughs) of i still believe nationwide the only thing that could have beat beat us is a slightly later showing somewhere on the west coast that night but they were all shutting down yeah I think it was the, I, I really do think is the spirit of Anaheim. I choose to believe that Anaheim was the, the past. <laughs> and it was us and one other couple. <laughs> it was, though. Yeah, and, and that was great. So, I Still Believe is made by the Irwin Brothers. They The uh, Steve Irwin Brothers is their technical name? Yeah, yeah legally speaking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Steves Irwin. They came out, they're, they're the make good guys from mm-hmm. the Pure Flix films. So, they started out, they were being released by Pure Flix, mm-hmm. who uh, released Unplanned and who is responsible for a lot of the terrible Christian movies that we will inevitably cover on this podcast <laughs> because we are gluttons for punishment. Uh, but these are the ones that started their own production studio got out of that umbrella and now are being released by Lionsgate, which is to say they're making like borderline real movies. Their previous one, which was also a Christian music singer biopic about a guy, the guy that, uh, from Mercy Me. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, the me of Mercy. <laughs> uh, but that one, which is also named after one of the guy's songs and is about the story of writing the song. Like this is the exact same rubric. <laughs> Uh, who, says, one... who says American filmmaking is dead, baby? Exactly. Uh, so this is basically the Marvel films of Christ- of CCM. <laughs> this is the, the the Christian contemporary music uh, multiverse. Uh, <laughs> there's going to be spinoffs. All uh, the wives are dead. We're uh, spinoff films for every member of DC Talk. <laughs> um, it's going to be really great. But that movie, the Mercy Me movie, they made for eight, and it made eighty something at the box office. Now, that so is this business. is a winning strategy. Yeah. Uh, so they're trying to repeat that now with Jeremy Camp. We'll see if it works. But that's where it comes from. It's the story of Jeremy Camp, but not just Jeremy Camp. And we're going to take a brief moment to be yes. sincere. This is, this, Zach, is, this is actually really important to say. Yeah. 
The only part that is like even vaguely factually accurate about this movie is that in the early 2000s, Jeremy Camp got married to a young woman named Melissa. Mm -hmm. And Melissa was diagnosed with stage three cancer and died less than a year after they got married. Yeah. It's a very real and very tragic thing. And we are not here to make fun of that at all. Yeah, we're not going to here to make fun of Melissa. No. We're, we're, not, <laughs> we're not even here to make fun of... Of their story. Of their story because at all. there's a lot of things to make fun of in this movie that are terrible and bad. <laughs> at the end of the day, like, this, two people loved each other right. for as long as they had time to love each other. But let's just say, in as much as reality exists, we, we're, we're not here to say anything no, about and, that. And we are here to make fun of the specific movie because this movie has almost no bearing on any exactly. recognizable reality. We are making fun of basically a lie told about a sad thing. In some ways, dare I say, an exploitation yeah. of a very real and sad thing. And and that's, I think, what maybe moves it into villainy. But you know what? Let's get into the beginning of I Still Believe. Zach, paint me a word picture. Where are we starting? The camera is gliding. We're middle America. We're flying over cornfields. There's a sunset. We we continue gliding over what is God's Everything own is gold. country. Yeah, it's all just golden. It's it's Midas touched. There are like <laughs> fifty thousand drone shots in this movie, but this is maybe the like most egregious one. Pete Buttigieg is standing atop that water tower, weeping for real America. Yeah, for what he has wrought. <laughs> yeah, for what he did to it. And then we come into a small farmhouse, and the dad is Lieutenant Dan. And the first thing I thought was, this is the continued part of the extended universe of Forrest Gump. Yeah, so you might think that we're joking. <laughs> it's actually Gary uh, Sinise. Gary Sinise playing Jeremy Camp's father. So we're in Indiana. Yep, so we're in, in their Indiana, little farmhouse. And, we, and Jeremy Camp is going off to college. He's going off to college. So then we meet Jeremy Camp, who is played by, by Archie from Riverdale. And he is the hottest 18-year-old I've ever seen. Well, okay, we came down on very different sides of this equation. Uh, I came down on whichever side he wants. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. For me, Archie has the unfortunate distinction of sort of hitting the uncanny valley of hot. Mm. Like, he's just, he's not quite human enough to pull it off. And there's something dead in his eyes which is the only part of him <laughs> that actually connects to the real jeremy well, camp that's the thing see my theory is is that like he just went so deep is that like oh, he went method. method on jeremy camp watch video after video and he got the serial killer vacuousness at the core of jeremy camp i guess i'm just gonna have to watch like 15 seasons of of riverdale and figure out what the, what the deal is here uh don't worry i'm primed for a rewatch so so this is <laughs> So this is Jeremy Camp, who will yep. probably mostly be referred to by, as Archie from now on. Yeah. So we're in this household. I'm going to paint the, the scene here because it's important to establish the characters. So Jeremy's going off to college. He is the core of the movie. And we have his dad, who's Lieutenant Dan. And then we have his mom, who's Shania fucking Twain. Again. And this blows my mind. Actually Shania Twain. Shania Twain. Literally Shania Twain, who looks very tan in this movie, uh, but also great. Oh, yeah. She's, she's keeping it tight. I'm here for um, it. It did impress me much. And <laughs> <God>. <laughs> here's the thing that about Shania that I don't understand. I've been thinking about it even since we recorded this the first time. Shania Twain sold over 100 million records. Yeah. Why is she in a shitty Why, Christian what, movie? What's she doing with this 5 million selling motherfucker? It's, I mean, she could buy and sell Jeremy Camp 20 times over. She is legitimately a legend, That's an icon. She makes Celine Dion look penny ante. Why are you in this shitty movie? Hit me up in my DM, Shania, let's go. I am not here to thirst trap after Shania. <laughs> I'm just here to say that- This is our first fight on <laughs> shitty Christians. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I, you know, I think she, she wants to do something for the little guy. <laughs> so she's, give back. she plays the mom uh there's a couple brothers uh one of the first things we see jeremy camp do is like talk with his little brother and be like hey you can call me whenever and give him his cell phone for, he's, for, he's for... like nice to one brother and not nice to the other one and it's just immediately weird they're just trying to say that like all christians forever uh even though he is an 18 year old boy he wants kids someday he obviously yeah. wants to be a dad and for all christians forever if you don't have like procreating as one of your main identifiable qualities then you're basically i mean that's my twitter bio <laughs> they they're going outside everyone's emotional because they're taking jeremy to the bus station so he can go off to college and they pop open the back of the trunk and they got him a new guitar for college yes because jeremy has ambitions 
they tell uh, Lieutenant Dad says, "Go write your story." Yeah. So this immediately weird. Uh, ostensibly they're sending this kid off to his freshman year at college but they're clearly sending him off to be a rock star this family is coded very poor yeah. like his dad's a delivery driver mm -hmm. he's got the like pizza thing the on his car the whole time the way no one does yeah the light. and so when jeremy gets this guitar the first thing he says is like oh you got it for me like he's clearly been lusting for this you know guitar forever it's the only thing he lusts he's for like how could you afford it and the kids the other the younger siblings yes. are joking being like they took out loans we're not having christmas ha 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 and having grown up poor with a father being a minister, uh, I just immediately just tensed up. Yeah, like oh yeah, just... my parents had to get loans so I could get braces. Yeah. That that's fun. It's fun that this movie's making fun of that. It, not even making fun, just like why no no parent has ever been this supportive of their mediocre child's <laughs> bad ambitions to be a not good singer. Like that's never happened. It just vibes strange. Parents should not be this supportive. <laughs> it's not a healthy level of support. Okay, here's the other thing I want to say. Poor parents don't have time to be creepy. To uh, indulge. To indulge their kids. They are busy trying to send them they to college. They love their kids. They love their kids. My parents they will make sacrifices fought everything for their kids. they could for me. But I tell you what, my parents did not indulge me. They, you know what? This is Starting clear. a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, though. This is the behavior of rich helicopter parents. This is that I see in LA. This is not the behavior I grew up with around people like this or in, had in my life. Yeah, well, and it's just like, it's it's making poverty cute. Yeah. Which is not something we're about here at Shitty Christians. Anyways. So he gets on the Greyhound he, and he is strumming his guitar as they ride across For America. For 3,000 miles. Across this is a 31 hour <laughs> trip. And the entire montage, he is just playing guitar on the Greyhound, which for the record is not what you do on Greyhounds. <laughs> well, it is if you want to be stabbed yeah. on the Greyhound. Yeah. By the way, the stabber, correct in this case. Oh, absolutely. We're always pro-stabbing here at Shitty Christians. Uh, he's in like the deserts of Texas for no reason. Like the geography of this movie makes no sense. And it never does. So he shows up at college and the college is basically a church. Calvary Chapel College, which is a real college. And it zooms in on the church chapel instantaneously yep. so he's already in church college like just from minute one and calvary chapel we do not have time to get into it they're a charismatic denomination go ahead and do some digging if you want they're weird yeah hey guess what they have uh strange relationships to women in leadership and oh, men weird. in power oh weird. that's all you need to know like almost all conservative christian institutions but we show up and it's shot strangely even though this is southern california i swore for half of this movie they were in like New Orleans somewhere because they were shooting all the water. Well, it's just like it's it just the Nicholas Sparksified. It just mm -hmm. it, it has the Nicholas Sparks vibe yeah. all the way through. So even though it is in Southern California and it was shot in Southern California, they somehow managed to make it feel like you're in Savannah in that's certain so moments. That's so true though, because that's that's the sort of tradition that it's coming from. His first move at college, this place he has never been, is to lie. First thing I did when I got to college, <laughs> lie about everything about myself. <laughs> Brand new person, day one, whatever. That. I would say what Mar is what Martin Luther would have called a good lie. <laughs> what he does is he just goes to their small concert hall and just lies to the security guard that he is with the band, basically. Yeah, the he, guy he, that he, is... He sneaks into the venue lying about some guy that he knows, which is just funny. And he it's also, Here's what I'm going to say. It's the most I like him in this entire movie. It's, it's the, the last one, time the you like him in this entire movie. He does something vaguely interesting. And you're like, oh, maybe this you know guy showing up to Christian college being a little skeezy. Never happens again. Well, it can't because the rest of the time he's wearing a halo. So then uh, he gets in and he talks to a guy in a goatee about getting famous. So we have to establish this gentleman in the goatee. His name is Jean-Luc. I would like to tell you that he's not important, but for some reason he is involved in every step of the in movie. In many ways, Jean-Luc is the hidden protagonist of the movie. <laughs> like He is the invisible man yeah. living in the basement. So Jean-Luc <laughs> is depending on the scene either a college student or a famous rock star hard to say it really changes wildly so in this specific instance he is he's the most tuning up for the show ever. and this kid yes. from indiana mm -hmm. is showing up dying to see him to sneak in and be like hey man you're my hero like i i respect you so much and then he asks so how do, how do you make it man yeah. like how, how do, do you, you do this how do you get famous and he's like hey Music's not like that. Music is magic. What do you want to give people? You might think that we're exaggerating putting words in Jean-Luc's mouth, but we would never do that to Jean-Luc. 
the end result of that conversation after Jeremy gets put in his place. <laughs> hey, man, this isn't about you. It's not about ambition. The uh, last time he shows a flaw in the entire movie. Exactly. Uh, Jeremy Camp is really excited because he gets to tune Jean-Luc's guitar in between mm-hmm. songs we get to the concert it's a worship medley of dudes in leather jackets and uh fu manchus yeah just barely it's they, they are not rocking out it, they are slow jamming it's ostensibly not even slow a rock show okay. but what it is is just a really boring mid-tempo <laughs> worship like event mm-hmm. like there's no rocking it is bizarre <laughs> only in that the crowd is espousing any enthusiasm for it because it, there's nothing to be enthusiastic about. It's like bad U2, co- U2 covers of worship songs. Then we get to an important moment where Jeremy's life changes. He has been here for like 12 hours. He's at college. He has not slept since then. And he is standing to the side, jamming out like he this has never heard one. music that's yeah. good. And he looks into the crowd and he spots a young woman. And he... He's You say spots, I say targets. (laughs) Yeah, he definitely has the Terminator, like, computer reticle, just like, beep, 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 when it sees You see the overlay, just like, I'm going to be (laughs) creepy towards you. Uh, It's it's really strange. And she stares back. They have a moment together, Mm -hmm. because, you know... Women at rock shows usually fall for the guy bringing out guitars in between songs. Everyone knows how much tail roadies get. (laughs) That's how it usually goes. (laughs) So then we cut to the end of the rock show, and she is just standing, talking with a friend. She's hanging out with her friends. At a place she goes to college, and he just goes straight for her. This moment actually has some heavy, like, it follows vibes. Oh, like, it Because does. she's having a conversation, and he's just walking up <laughs> in the background as she's talking to someone else. This man who is, like, 13 inches taller than her is just slowly it's, approaching. It's really weird. And then he comes up to her, and he, he just, just goes, taps her on the back. Like, just, like, yeah. hey, hey. You know, as you do yeah, when, to people when you I'm don't know. When I'm somebody for the first time, I approach them from behind and then make and, physical contact. And then paw <laughs> yeah. at them. That's how we met, Zach. <laughs> and I still have not gotten out of this basement ever since. <laughs> you love it. And then they have the weirdest meet cute of And he just time. goes, hi, I'm Jeremy. I saw you. I was watching you. That's what he says. We are not doing a bit. This isn't hyperbole. He says, I was watching you. And then she briefly sort of is like, uh, hey, okay. Like, she acknowledges uh-huh. the creep. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, no, it's fine. And he's like, well, not like watching you. And they He has symmetrical features. Turning, he can't be creepy. Well, no, 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 no. I'm not even putting that on her. I'm just saying that like. No, that's what they, the movie thinks. This, this moment is where they lampshade the fact that Jeremy <laughs> Camp is a creep for a brief moment. <laughs> and then they work it back that, oh, it's cute. But they, they have to start saying, oh, yeah, no, he's creepy. They know Jeremy Camp is a predator, but they just have to move past <laughs> They have it. to put it in there so that, like, later, like, you know, everybody with Kubrick movies, years later, they can be like, it was always there. He always knew, like. I'm really excited for the I Still Believe in Room 237 documentary to come exactly. out about this it's, movie. It's, it's actually, it's not just I Still Believe. It's going to be the whole Pure Flix pantheon. You realize we're going to be the talking heads in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, we're going to have a career. <laughs> yeah, That's good happen. news. That's who we are. We're those guys. Uh, and then he has another scene with Jean-Luc sitting out there. I don't know why Jean-Luc ostensibly yeah. rock star is like, so I want to spend my evening with this dude. They immediately go from like, I am accosting you as a stranger <laughs> to like buddies hanging out playing guitar after the show That's together. Right. Jeremy's like, how do you do it, man? What's the secret? And Jean-Luc goes, I write love songs to God. Mostly. And I think this, we, we're going to pause here for a second. It really gets to a certain core of this movie, which is that the joke mm-hmm. of Christian music has forever been, they're just bad love songs with Jesus thrown in yeah, at the, the end. Yeah, the South Park of it all, I, I want to get on my knees and please you, Jesus. Yeah, this movie's like, yes, <laughs> correct. <laughs> I deeply believe in that sentiment. <laughs> to the point where the first time Jeremy Camp says, I love you, she asks, is that for God? And he's like, not entirely. Yeah, the the movie, Jeremy Camp at least posits that every love song to God and Melissa yeah. can be the same song. They can be interchangeable. And frequently is. Yeah, <laughs> and are used as such. And, and the movie thinks this is cool. I mean, this whole movie is just Melissa falling in love with Jeremy Camp while Jeremy Camp is busy trying to seduce Jesus. <laughs> like, it's... 
and he did succeed. There's like 15 Look different th- thruples in this movie. It's really we <laughs> haven't even gotten those to five it. million records didn't come from nowhere, Michael. Yeah. So so then Jean Luc starts talking about this girl. Yep. And he talks about how there's this young woman that he's interested in and never he's mentions her name. Working on a song for. Her. And uh, we know what's going to happen, and you know what's going to happen, but uh, Jeremy Camp just would never put two and two together. So next day, he's on the quad. And he is playing his guitar. Yeah. So if there's one thing <laughs> that we have learned about Jeremy Camp at this point, it's that he's creepy. But if there's two <laughs> things that we've learned about Jeremy Camp, it's that he's creepy and he's a guitar guy, which is the guitar worst guy. thing. Worse than being creepy. The worst thing that a freshman in college can be. Never be guitar guy. He's been here for 24 hours. Guitar guy in the quad, no less, which is the worst variant on guitar guy. I'm no, I'm not done with this. I just need to get this out there <laughs> to every guitar guy that I have ever known in any context. Let me just deeply and abidingly fuck you. You were an affront to music. You make me love music less. And music is the only thing I love. Yeah, so she walks up, she sees him playing and music. And he's playing music, and um, she's like, oh, I guess you sing, can I check it out? He plays the world's most boring song. Yeah, well, it's every song in this movie. Yeah, every just... song is just him singing very slowly while strumming two and a half chords. This man sings the way Joe Biden speaks. It's just the same five words over and over again, a little bit too slow. <laughs> And then she is obviously impressed. He talks about what she's been doing all day, and she mentions her journal. And her journal, like Jean-Luc, will somehow become one of the most important parts of the movie. Yeah, well, this movie doesn't have enough of a world for anything in it to not be deeply important to it. But mm-hmm. she mentions her journal just in passing. Yeah, she just, just, she just happens to mention I that think, she... Yeah, she just has it. Yeah. And his first thing, he goes, can I read it? yeah dude no they've known each other they've met once and said approximately 30 words to each other and then in their first real conversation he asks if he can read her journal there are a lot of moments in this movie <laughs> that are just silly like that's just uh you know as creepy as it is that he's running up haha i was watching you like hey, yeah. whatever it's fine Asking someone you don't know to read their journal is deeply unsettling red flag behavior. Yeah, if you did that with your partner, it would be like, what? No, that's weird. It's incredibly It would be strange to do to a spouse if they weren't like, here, read this. Like, they would need, a spouse would need to offer that. You need affirmative consent to read anyone's journal, period. (laughs) Spouse, partner, whatever, I don't care. But like, Jesus Christ, man. This is... This was the first moment where I was like, huh. That haunted me more than it puts the lotion on its skin. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this movie haunted me more than Silence of the Lambs, so. <laughs> uh, at least the lambs are fucking silent. <laughs> <laughs> so this this unbearable scene ends with her somehow, after this mess, being like, hey, there's a group gathering. You're new here. Yeah. I'm showing you pity. Why don't you come to this hangout? That's a group hangout. Yeah, she with a invites bunch of him to a at hang. The beach, at the beach. And he goes, it's a date. It's a date. Not a date. <laughs> not... Now, that's not cool. No, it's not. And she persists. She goes, hey, it's not a date. It's not a date. It's just a hangout, man. And he goes, it's a date. And then she walks away and he is still shouting after her yeah. about it being Across a date. Across the quad that it's a date. And then sits down, <laughs> picks up his guitar, and whispers to himself, it's definitely a date. And it was at this moment where we realized, oh, this isn't a love story. This is a story about toxicity. This is a story about toxic dating culture. This is a story about toxic Christian men. Yes. The lack of respecting boundaries being portrayed as not just cute, Mm-hmm. Not just like, oh, isn't oh, yeah. isn't he just a stinker? But like the beginnings of a love connection is him ignoring what you're telling him mm-hmm. and establishing his own reality as valid over yours. While trying to read your private thoughts. Yeah, yeah. You know what this is? This is a little bit like if Kevin Spacey in the movie Seven was the protagonist and he was just trying to get Brad Pitt's attention by sending him Gwyneth Paltrow's head in a box. It's a take. Go watch Seven. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't watch Seven. Never do that. 
It's not very good. I don't I don't know if that's too hot a take for this podcast, but I don't think Seven's a very good movie. Of I think it's not good. Brad Pitt's super hot. Okay, yeah, that's fair. But he's, he's not even shirtless. He does frolic with dogs in that movie, and he's very cute when he does I that. I love that. Okay, just go watch the gif of Brad Pitt in yeah. 1995 frolicking with dogs. I like that gif. Go find all the other gifs of Brad Pitt frolicking with dogs. Uh, Jeremy Camp is a deeply unsettling human being. <laughs> he's and the I know, I know that we, were going, we said we are not going to mock real-life Jeremy Camp or Melissa because that would be evil and wrong. But I'm just going to say it. Real-life Jeremy Camp's a creep. <laughs> he would have to be for him to think that this is a reasonable way to portray himself but on I, film. But I also love, and then we will move on, <laughs> but I actually think this is important, is that this is him portraying himself in the best possible yeah. light. This is like, this is Jeremy Camp making a point that he is awesome this is best case scenario jeremy exactly camp. this is jeremy camp doing to his behavior what hiring archie did to his looks we get to the beach that night i just got to talk about this beach hangout okay so yeah actually so there's a bonfire and there's people what's there's happening bonfire there's a people on the beach and i just bring this up because i have been to every single one <laughs> of these youth group ass beach hangouts you're in the background of the shot <laughs> yeah you're just is, there it's just a a mixed group of people hanging out doing nothing interesting sitting like they were on that corner for social distancing already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the original social distancing was the Holy Spirit. So they're just sitting there. They're doing nothing. No, what I love is it's a bonfire at the beach in Southern California. And everyone is sitting several feet away from any person and with their hands in their laps with no beverages. Yeah. Still. No one is doing anything fun ever. And I know this because <laughs> I was there. So Jeremy Camp shows up with his guitar and he sees his would-be paramour he sees melissa and who, who else does he see is sitting beside melissa michael dun, dun, dun. jean-luc yes jean-luc secret hero of this movie also with his guitar and that is the moment where jeremy camp's dick deflates yeah. you can see it happen <laughs> well he i i know i know this is going to sound like a broken record but he reacts a little creepily to this <laughs> yeah he immediately is just <laughs> offended hurt wounded jeremy camp is super <laughs> hardcore nice guy in this scene like he is, he mm -hmm. is full nice guy yes. because all that's happening like melissa and jean-luc aren't even together they're, they're sitting just four friends. feet apart from each they're other sitting next to each other and they're kind of playfully like touching each other's shoulders it's only vaguely flirty okay, okay. touching shoulders is christian anal we all know that i i, I wish that i had known that <laughs> <laughs> so all he sees are two people being friendly barely, with each other barely friendly though and he loses his mind oh yeah no. immediately his face curdles oh yeah the head the forehead goes forward the chin drops down mm -hmm. he starts kubrick staring so he sits down across from them seething with rage he is holding his guitar against like two friends being friendly yeah. so he's just seething holding his guitar and staring at them that's it yeah. he's not right he's just staring right at them and he doesn't blink uh melissa asks archie to play a song yes and so he pulls up his guitar and he, he kind of harumphs and starts playing but the magic works even his sullen sour mood it can't stop the magic from happening michael because the whole beach goes still which to be fair they were already still but it is it is again this is the story that a guitar guy tells about himself Oh, I started playing and everyone around me was enraptured well, what, by me. What was crazy is you see just like it's a mad, mad world. Like everyone just rushing. Hundreds of people coming. <laughs> thousands of people. Mermen, women coming in from the sea yeah. to hear him. The sirens the mermaid, have heard their yeah. song, Michael. The mermaid from the lighthouse shows up just to watch. Um, she's naked, but he won't look at her because he's that kind of guy. Yeah, he respects. He respects mermaid woman. This is the moment that Melissa falls in love with him. Oh, yeah. So when, to ahead. the point. That Jean-Luc, yes. who is crushing on Melissa, and mm -hmm. we kind of put that together at this point. Jean-Luc looks over and watches this woman fall yep. in love with him. And you can see him just sort of being like, what's going on here? And it's, then she starts singing with him. It becomes an impromptu duet between G Jeremy and Melissa. And I think what's important here is they start singing together. And then Jean-Luc backs them up. Yeah, he, he pulls up his guitar to back up this 18-year-old snot wipe. And again, this guy went from like rock god to just dude at a beach party for college kids. What? Doesn't he have a job rocking somewhere? Yeah, yeah. Should, should he not rock? 
<laughs> did we did the Beastie Boys not fight for his right to party? <laughs> like I don't understand. Jean Luc has officially gone from head of a rock band to backup guitarist for Jeremy Camp, a role he will basically be in for the rest of this movie. And arguably his life. <laughs> so that that's just That's the end of the beach. Party. That's amazing. Again, um, every a story that never happened from a man who can only tell lies about his life that make him look good. Continue. So the next morning, this is another just chilling scene. You know, yeah, I watched made how to make like a mur- five scenes into this movie because they're all <laughs> horrifying. Uh, I watched Making a Murderer and was at no point as unnerved <laughs> yeah. by that guy describing his crimes Dude, as I was by Jeremy Camp. If there is one thing I would refuse to listen to, you know how there are just certain horrible things mm-hmm. on the internet that yeah, like, like Sallow. Yeah, you just you can't go that deep. Mm-hmm. Uh the rotten.com of it all just a like Serbian no film. don't don't watch <laughs> now I'm not even talking fiction. I'm talking oh. like there are genuinely horrifying okay. things that you could access at a Google search, but it's just bad for your soul mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to encounter. So you just don't. Jeremy Camp talking in a bathroom <laughs> is on that list for me. Uh, I am I am deeply unnerved by the potential of what that man says to Jeremy himself. Jeremy Camp's journal. I would not like to read that. <laughs> yeah, Thank yeah you. burn that thing if it'll burn. <laughs> I think that's the book the Nazis were looking for. Yeah. <laughs> in in Indiana Jones. It's so, also Jeremy Camp is who you fight at the end of Doom. <laughs> and he wins every time. You can't win Doom. True story. Yeah, he just plays you a song and you die. <laughs> so the next morning, because this movie takes place over approximately 48 yeah, hours. It's been maybe 36 hours <laughs> since Jeremy Camp arrived and immediately started stalking a woman. <laughs> uh, she's running like a normal person. She's just running by the ocean. Yeah. And then she runs into Jeremy Camp, just like on the trail. He's just there, it's blocking six her It's in the path, morning. Holding a machete <laughs> and like silhouetted with the sun. And he's like in jeans, his hair is gelled, and he's got his puka shell necklace on, basically. Yeah, he's fully dressed for like afternoon casual at six in the morning <laughs> by the beach. What on earth? And she's like, hey, man. She's like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I, I always walk here. This is my favorite place to walk. He's again, been here for three days. Yeah, again, if that. And she goes, this is my favorite space to run. Which is, if you thought about it for a second, would be like, which is why I know you're lying. Like, the yep. only reason you could possibly mm-hmm. be here because you already stalked me. Yep. This can't be your favorite place. You don't have any favorite places. And again, this is his version of events. There's no one left, sadly, to contradict him. This is like a prisoner confessing to the police because he just wants to be unburdened jeremy camp is a creep and all he can tell you is that he is creepy so it continues and he immediately his first question this woman is trying to exercise it's six in the morning he's like are you with john luke yeah he accosts her (laughs) on her morning run about her relationship status he's like so what's the deal with you and john luke huh a totally normal question to be asking you (laughs) while you're in your trainers stressed out and you i at the corners of the frame you notice something Michael. his hands are are, yeah so biden Biden was giving a press conference a couple days ago for this (laughs) coronavirus and not realizing that his hand was actually in frame he was like sort of Mm -hmm. frantically gesturing the teleprompter Mm -hmm. i imagine that like this scene ends (laughs) they're standing underneath a tree Mm -hmm. this scene ends the camera pans away jeremy camp casually reaches up into the tree grabs a squirrel takes it down just twist, twist, twist. Rings the squirrel's neck off. Like like he's tuning a guitar. Yeah, like he's... Uh, squeezes. Like a Capri Sun. Squeezes the blood and guts into his mouth. Like a Capri Sun. And then just goes right on about his day. Like the totally normal dude he is. <laughs> so after he asks her if he's fucking the rock star... She says, no, we're just friends. Well, she actually does more than that. That's true. She confesses her entire life story She gives him a really involved tale about (laughs) how he was a really important person for her. Mm -hmm. And they connected a lot when they started college, which again... I have no idea how old anyone is. Yeah, in this, this movie. dude already graduated college. Why is he still here? He looks older than I am. Yeah, Jean Luc, I assume, is just like the TA. I don't, I don't know what's going Jean-Luc on. Jean Luc is older than Jeremy Camp is now yeah. in this movie. Uh, so she explains how he was 
really important to her and they develop this close friendship and then she can sense that his feelings mm -hmm. are changing but she doesn't feel the same way and she's just unburdening all of this information right. for no reason jeremy camp engages with none of that he he all he sees is target and kill and he says and he says how about me yeah how what about me what about me do you do you want to do you want to do this are you down to clown <laughs> yeah and she just kind of plays it off, like, oh, no. Again, this is this is treated as cute because that's what this movie is. But it's it's just she does she. I can't remember. Does she kind of ha does she say no or does she sort of half heartedly brush it off like a person who is trying to get away from a criminal? Yeah. So she she deflects, which is yes. a defense mechanism when dealing with like creepy and abusive people, <laughs> uh, like actually shitting on Jeremy Camp because this movie no. is terrible. We're shitting on Jeremy Camp because he is the embodiment in this film of so many real yes. and genuine toxic christian dating tropes the like i see a pretty girl and i'm just going to like imprint on her yeah. the like i'm going to make this all about me and my perspective there's more to come it, it's it's all about this specific sexist culture and that's going to be a major theme and we're going to kind of revisit that as, this over these two pods and get more into it uh but at the end of this scene she's just like well i'm going to keep running yeah and you Bet you can't catch me. Yeah, Which she, sounds she, like a thing of a woman who runs to run away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Please don't catch me. Yeah, Tears streaming yeah, down her face. Yeah. That's what actually happened. This is how Jeremy remembers it. This is before cell phones were common. And so this sure. woman is just trying to get to the police, I assume. We're going to jump ahead a little bit. There's another rock concert. Because apparently Jean-Luc only is a rock star in the square mile region of this college i mean to be fair there are people who build entire fake careers out of being a very geographically centered rock <laughs> god uh so he's playing he is just going to town and i just want to say here he looks a lot like mac from it's always sunny he looks he is yeah. just he has serious mac energy and that he is trying so hard to get something he doesn't believe he deserves <laughs> okay and so and he's trying, he immediately, so he plays a song, sort of, and we come at the end of it. And then he immediately brings out Jeremy Camp. He's known yeah. this kid for a week. And Again, he's already seeding this stage to him. Yeah, she, he, he brings him out on stage to play a song. We now, get our next song, and he plays for the audience. It's and like it's, track four or five on the crappy album they're going to make out of this thing. It's just boring. Mini, he he's like, he's interrogating it. the audience. Yes. He's like, would you take the place of Jesus? Like, the actual lines of the song are like, would would you take the nails from his hands? Like, would you take his place? And, like, and, and, and it's like, well... No, because I can't actually That's die for the how... sins of humanity, even if I wanted to which i definitely don't do not want to do thank you jesus again that's what trump's asking us to do right now <laughs> I, I no see i would like to die for capitalism <laughs> yeah. he sings the world's most boring mid-tempo song the crowd freaks the fuck out and more importantly melissa she is just boring equally creepy holds into him now yeah she gets a little creepy in this i think i think this is the moment where she's already fallen in love with him we know that yeah and you brought this up I think what's interesting is the movie is setting him up here a little bit as a lust object. His his hair is perfect. He is sweating profusely. Even though I live in Southern California, and in the evenings, it's pretty nice. It's pleasant. <laughs> it's like 65. And the movie is telling you, the viewer, this is the sexiest godman who has ever lived. <laughs> the next scene, they're kind of having a what the movie assumes is cute argument about how hot he is. We immediately transition to her being like, I can't look at you. You're too hot, so I'm going to stop looking at you. While he's chasing her around the quad. It's when in actuality, it's like, I can't look at you because every time I look directly at you, you get a little bit closer. It's like reverse blink. <laughs> I have to keep my eyes closed to stay alive. Yeah. So they're chatting about her life, and then he stops her in the middle of why. So he's asking, why can't we be together? He is pestering this woman about yeah. why we can't be together. She kind of gives this explanation for well, her yeah, life. Well, yeah, she just says, like, hey, I made a commitment to myself and mm -hmm. to God and yep. to my big sister for some reason that, like, this is not a year of dating for That's me. I'm right. going to be doing other things. Which, like fine whatever she's it's, telling you it's her life it's her life she, and she's telling you this is this is not my deal no. i am doing these other things and more importantly i'm not in this space what yeah. she is saying actually i think she's just saying like this is not where i'm at yeah man. she's saying not now but like 
that's not the worst response. Yeah. However, he stops her cold. Yeah. He stops her from speaking. He basically puts a hand on her lip, <laughs> like dumb and dumber. <laughs> and he says, I understand you now. Oh, cool. Michael, you love when I do that. You love when I stop you when you're having an opinion about what? something we disagree on. And I say, stop. I understand you. It's they've known each other for four days yeah again one of the actual benefits of being in a long-term relationship is without <laughs> a lot of love effort and sacrifice you might come to a place where you have a better understanding of a human being who is separate from you mm -hmm. you can't understand a person in four days that's never happened and i'm sorry even if you've been with someone for 20 years never just stop them yeah, in never a disagreement just, and say i understand never you never just to claim prove a point yeah to claim understanding over another at this point it's an act of possession oh oh and especially if you don't actually understand the person Clearly. can you imagine it's he essentially is staking his flag on her the same way british people did to colonial america and what is, what is he saying here though and so he makes his point. He says, this is destiny. What if God wants us to run towards us? What if this is what we're supposed to be doing? We would not want to miss that. This is, I think, where we're going to dig in and end our first half of this wonderful yeah. movie. Because the first half of this and the rest of this, but really the first half of this movie, we haven't even gotten to Melissa dying yet or their dramatic relationship. Yeah, they're, they're, we haven't even gotten to cancer. This is, this is an hour of a movie that is all about christian dating and exactly. what's funny is it can't stop telling on itself yes this is i you may you may think that we're being a little hard on jeremy camp <laughs> you might think that we're being a little mean to jeremy camp when we <laughs> repeatedly accuse him of being a serial killer over the course of an hour of a podcast but the truth is this isn't really about jeremy camp no. it's not even really about the portrayal of jeremy camp in this movie what this is about is the very real and toxic issues in Christian dating culture. Yes. This is about Christian toxic masculinity. Can you imagine you are part of a patriarchal culture? He is essentially saying that believes in God and God's will as absolute. And he is essentially saying, like, I believe God thinks we should be together. And who are you to question that? Yeah, well, and, and, and who are you to question? My access to God and your own autonomy needs to be subsumed into that. Exactly. He is claiming the will of God to get a date. Yeah, so I would like to shout out Maddie, whom we've talked about before. Actual friend of the pod. Yeah. First the... time we've ever used that, sincerely. <laughs> so Maddie said there were about six different guys tried this trick on yeah. her. So we're not sure what the will of God is there. You know what the penalty for false prophecy in the Old Testament is, Zachary? <laughs> Five of those guys at least need to get stoned. And she didn't end up marrying any of them. So I guess all six are going down. Yeah. So it's, it, it's this move in Christian culture. It's saying that I, like... God's, I can control God's will and God's will supersedes what you want. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's taking the toxic possessive masculinity that we already see in our culture mm -hmm. and then it's giving that a divine mandate. That's right. So now it's not just, I need this. When she finally turns him down and says, hey, no, I'm just, this is not where I'm at, man. Yeah. His response is, but the will of God. He he, he wants a cathedra. Yeah. To get he, a date. He becomes the pope in the sense that he's an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> in the sense that he gets to insist what women's roles are. That's <laughs> yeah, perfect. Uh, and, it, it's and, not just that. I I have known mm -hmm. this guy. Oh yes. Not just the like claiming. God I'm thing. sitting across from this guy. <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, no, that's great. Uh, <laughs> I have known this guy and I have seen mm -hmm. that intensity. Yes. That that guy that sees a pretty girl yep. in a youth group mm -hmm. like camp and just can't let her be mm -hmm. because he just builds this up in his head. And I gotta say, like, these guys start off as victims before they become That's villains. Right. They get fed this crap mm -hmm. that like all the other toxic elements of Christians and sexuality and dating and just like things that they have been drilled into them by people who have gotten rich peddling bad ideas about what sex and dating should be for believers. But then they just take that and they get super fucking weird with it. Yeah. And it's not okay, man. And the last thing I'll say about it, it's just manipulation. It's just, oh, yeah. it is just classic. Like you owe me something. It's just, it's classic Harvey Weinstein. Here's a role. So you owe me sex. This was the moment where I just, felt some big like David Blaine mm -hmm. energy out of him. Yes. Like it's just this this moment where like you just 
feel mm-hmm. the like the fact that he's just like tricking this this person into something. I think it's important to say as we bring this home that at no point does she argue against it. And I don't blame Melissa for that because she has not been given the tools in her culture. Yeah, I don't blame to... movie Melissa for that because we're not talking about real Melissa no, because not. again, this this movie has nothing to do with real Melissa. Or... Oh, of course not. Yeah, but movie Melissa. I don't even grew blame up... her because like she grew up in this world where she was told that was true, where yeah. she was told that was valid, and so she agrees to one date, and that is enough for Jeremy Camp to freak the fuck out. And so that is where we should leave things. Yeah, I think that's a good stopping point for part one of this. Jeremy Camp gets what he wants. Jeremy Camp spends an hour berating a woman to date him and then uses prophecy to convince her for one date. (laughs) Hell of a trick. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up with our technical issues. I'm looking forward to getting into the back half of this movie. We're going to get this up as soon as we can. We'll throw up the second half of this middle of next week and we'll have a regular episode in between that assuming everything works out (laughs) we're gonna do the best we can but in the meantime thank you for listening to shitty christians i'm michael Tabor. you can follow me at michael Tabor on twitter i'm zachary allard you can follow me at zachary underscore allard and you can follow the pod at at shitty underscore pod or check out our super cool website that my brother built for us thank you shout outs alex forever shittychristians.com thanks so much for listening guys we'll see you soon the story's now